Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the My Pursuit Podcast. This is episode 22, and I'm your host, Mike, and so glad that you guys are with me. Um, I got to admit to you, if as you hear this, you start thinking, Mike sounds tired. Um, that's because Mike's tired. Um, um, not only because of my crazy schedule that I'm going through right now with um, working at the, at the golf course, um, pastoring the church, and... Um, and coaching the high school team but then they throw daylight savings in on top of that and oh man what in the world is that all about I, why do we keep doing that there's states that don't do it you know like Arizona doesn't do it and they are amazing rebels in this case I mean I don't agree with a lot of things that that state seems to stand up for but but this one man they they got it right um I got to admit, it is rough. There's one hour, and I feel like I flew on a jet halfway across the world, and I've got, like, crazy jet lag right now. Um, Wow, I feel tired still, and um, wish that that wasn't the case. But, yeah, it it feels way earlier, and, um, you know, my mind might be a little bit loopy because of the daylight savings time, so you might be getting that version of me this morning anyway. Uh, but I'm glad you guys are with me. You know, I, I was just reading the book of Acts the other day, and um, there's that scene where Paul is on trial, and he's at the, um, uh, you know, he's been taken in by the, the Roman commander, and the high priest comes in to, like, you know, put Paul on trial. And Paul says something, and the high priest demands that Paul be slapped on the mouth. And I kind of feel like anybody who says something good about daylight savings, that's that's what we should do. <laughs> Because um, I, I actually work in an industry. The golf industry is an industry that says that they benefit from daylight savings happening. Um, because you get that extra hour of light at the end of the day. And, you know, golf courses say, hey, we get increased revenue. I'll tell you what. Like, we don't. Um, having the hour at the beginning of the day, that's where you charge your prime time rate anyway. I'd rather have that hour earlier and allow more people to book you know, their rounds of golf during the prime time rather than at the end of the day uh, when they pay like a half rate, you know. Um, but anyway, that's that might just be me. Um, and it's not like anybody's golfing right now. It's raining. Um, and uh, oh, my goodness. Well, um, hey, I'm glad that you guys are with me. Um, just excited about things that are that are going on, not just in my faith, but like in in our church. Um uh, this past Sunday, we had a uh, baptism service, and that adds energy to me. Just seeing people who, you know, make that profession of faith and say, "This is what my life is is about now. This is my pursuit," and um, that's really energizing. And one of the cool things, um, and I, I didn't get to say everything about everybody's story as they were baptized. I wish I could have told everybody's story, but um, there was a girl that I baptized who. You know, I baptized her, and and then uh, we baptized a kid right after her, and then um, uh, she baptized like her kind of her foster sister, who, who's her good friend. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, you, we we allow people to choose who baptizes them, and um, 
you know, this girl who's being baptized is like, you know, my friend who's just kind of coming to Jesus also led me to Jesus. And uh, that, that was a really cool thing. But anyway, um, so yeah, maybe I'm still on a little bit of a kind of a spiritual a spiritual high from all that, um, just because seeing that is, is powerful. Having people participate in celebrating with it is is also extremely powerful. Like having that room packed full of people who are smiling and cheering for these kind of decisions that people are making, that that's real cool. Um, and I love it. And I love how, um, you know, Brandon, our worship leader, um, led worship through that and just like the excitement that was there all morning. It just... What a cool morning. Um, but anyway, back to work, back to the rain, back to uh, back to the week. And uh, yeah, I'm excited that you guys are with me. And, and I got to tell you, I, I don't know how much of the uh, scripture that I'm looking through right now, I've really kind of sussed out in my mind. So I might be I might be kind of unwrapping this in my own self as I as I speak to you this morning. I hope that's OK. Um but this section of the book that, of, of Luke that we're in, um, I, I think is really interesting, and I think is really, really misunderstood. You got this section in kind of this third of the book of Luke, I mean, probably about a third, I don't know, um, good chunk of it, where Jesus is addressing um, the Pharisees, like the religious people of the time. Jesus is spending a bunch of time like addressing these guys, and giving parables that that they might take to heart um and a couple of them are really rough like when you look at um you know like what i mean we remember the prodigal son parable and um that was kind of my life application last week was in those parables you know in in looking at the things that are lost um but you know as you move forward into luke chapter 16 you get this really weird parable one that I, I was just thinking as I was reading it the other day, I don't know that I ever remember going to church and having a pastor preach out of that, like, that text, that story. Um, there's a parable called the parable of the shrewd manager. It's right at the beginning of, of Luke chapter 16. And it's about a manager who um, learns he's going to be fired. And because of that... He calls in all the people who he's supposed to be like overseeing their debts and he cuts their debts down significantly so that once he's fired, he's got all these friends on the outside, you know, people who might do him favors and people who might help him. And the, um, the business or the, the, um, well, gosh, I forget what Jesus calls him. Like the, the boss, I mean the boss of the manager, um, looks at this guy and has to admire like how shrewd he's being, even though he's completely wrong in what he's doing. And you know, you look at stories like that, and it's like, how do you make sense of this? You make sense of it because Jesus is telling all these stories to uh, to the Pharisees, right? And so what he's telling them is like, hey, the Pharisees are starting to understand like you guys are not living righteously, and. And that was, you know, God's call on their life to, to do justice, to love mercy, to humbly walk with God. You know, um, there's all these law and, and that they're supposed to be following and they're not. And so they realize that and they realize, hey, we're in trouble. So their reaction to it, according to Jesus, is to reduce their amount of debt. It, like so that the high priests and the Pharisees are now saying to the people, you know what? 
if you sin that way, you know, that's that's an okay sin. That, that's okay. Or if you sin that way, all you have to do is make sure on the Day of Atonement, when you go to the temple, you offer your sacrifice, and you're fine. You know, no big deal. And it's it's like they're lowering the debt of people. And, and what Jesus is saying is that God, you know, God gave you the law because he expected righteousness. He was asking for righteousness. And now you guys are not not only not upholding the law, not paying your own debt, but you're telling people, hey, um, it's okay if you don't do it, right? So this this is the reaction as we get into Luke chapter 16, where Jesus says um, that that famous story, which is kind of a hard story, where, where he talks about, you know, if, if anyone causes even one of the least of these or one of the smallest of these, one of these little ones, uh, I think in different translations... Uh, to sin, um, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck, right? And you're like, wow, Jesus, that's really harsh. Well, remember Jesus speaking in here to the Pharisees, the Pharisees who don't understand righteousness, and they don't understand why God calls for it. And they certainly don't understand what Jesus is about to do. It's something that Jesus talks about, you know, that's recorded in every gospel, um, only Luke gives much more um, uh, words to it, right? He gives like much more space to it. He makes he makes sure that we understand. Jesus like teaches about this face to face with the Pharisees, like at length. And this is part of the reason why the Pharisees get get really upset with Jesus, like upset enough to um, to eventually put him to death. And so there's a scripture in in Luke chapter six or seventeen. That is always, always, always captured my imagination. And I'm going to totally admit to you right now, it's always captured my imagination for the complete wrong reason. Um, So it's the one where Jesus talks about the mustard seed, right? And he says, um, even if you have faith so small as as a mustard seed, um, and he... Remember, it, it, uh, like different gospels quote him differently as he tells the story because this, this is obviously one that he tells more than once. In the book of Luke, he says, You could say to that tree, I think it's even a mulberry tree for some reason, you could say to that tree, um, Get up, uproot yourself, and move yourself over to this place, and it will do it. Right? And we see in other places where Jesus talks about the faith of a child, faith of the mustard seed, where he says, You'll be able to say to this mountain, um, you know, to you'll be able to move mountains. Basically, you, you'll say, "Get up and move," and a mountain will move on your behalf. And and so I've always wondered about this passage. Like, what does that mean? What does Jesus want us to know? And obviously, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying to the Pharisees, "You you don't understand. First of all, you don't understand righteousness. And now I want you to understand. You you're not even understanding what faith is." Because even if you had like the tiniest speck of faith in what God is doing and who God is, like everything would be different. You would have like such a different way of dealing with the world. And, and you know, my, my version as a kid, like, so when I heard this as a kid was like, man, I want to have faith, like even as small as a mustard seed, because I want to be able to do amazing magic tricks, right? Like that kind of faith turns you into Superman when you're a kid and you start going, I could, I could pick up a mountain and move it. Right. I could like do, I I could tell people what to do and they do it. Like I I could, you know, it'd be like having a genie in a bottle. You know, I I could, I could 
I could, you know, say to this genie, I want a million more wishes, or I could say to this genie, I want, you know, riches beyond my wildest dreams, you know, that sort of thing. And I have it, right? So if only I had that much faith, I could get everything I, I always wanted. And of course, that's not what this verse is about. And that's not what Jesus is getting at here. And, and so I'm starting to look at this, this faith of a mustard seed, and I'm starting to say, you know what, how can I have not just how can I show more faith, how can I have more faith in who God is and what God is doing uh, when I go to work, um, when I'm, you know, not, not just at church, but when I'm at, uh, when I'm at the golf course or when I'm coaching the team, when I'm doing these things, how could I have, you know, even, even the tiniest amount of faith that would be able to change lives, that would be able to do things, that, that would be able to accomplish what God wants to see accomplished um, with the people that I'm dealing with. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm just kind of unpacking in my own mind. What would it mean for me to show faith in my daily life? What would it mean for me to put more faith in God as I live? And I, I don't know if you hear that and you go, hey, Mike, you're a pastor, you're working bivocationally, you're working like... I mean, really, right now, tri-vocationally, I guess. Like, you got you got three jobs going at the same time, Mike. Um, isn't that isn't that a lot of faith that you're showing, Mike? And I I don't know. Like maybe maybe there is something there to that, like something to that kind of faith. And maybe you're hearing that and going, "Isn't Mike's faith greater because of all that?" And and I got to tell you, there's times where I struggle and doubt, and there's times where I wonder, and there's times where Um, Not just that, but I allow my own agenda and my own thoughts to be bigger than what God is actually doing in my life and doing around me. And and I've got to have faith in what God is is doing in people's lives, Um, faith in what the Holy Spirit wants. And so that's kind of where this is going this week. I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like, um, but every day I'm going to say to myself, you know, faith of a mustard seed, how can I have, you know, just just a little bit more faith how how can i how can i grow in faith and uh, and see that happening so i'm going to start asking that question this week i'll let you know at the end how that's how that's going i'm not entirely sure how this one is going to go but i i just want to be more about my faith and be more about what god is calling me to do um at at the course at practice with my family you know er- everywhere i go so We'll see what that turns into. Okay, so um, always as a segment as as I'm on my drive to work is um, that I answer a question. So the question that comes this week is one that I, I may have always kind of taken for granted and I don't think I've, I've ever like kind of fully answered to this question, to be honest. So the question is, Mike... How did you become uh, a bivocational pastor? How did you, how did you, well, I, I don't even remember the wording behind this, but, you know, you, you're working another job while you're pastoring a church. How did you, like, come into that? And let me tell you this. Um, I, in order to answer this, I will tell you this is not anything that I ever thought I'd be doing. Um, in fact, as we planted a church, I, I have to admit to you, I thought that how this worked was you came into a town, if you did a cool service, 
tons and tons of people came and tithed, and because of their attendance and their tithe, right, the church grew and the finances grew and the budget grew to the point where where you're making a salary and you're able to, you know, build a church and buy a home and, and all that crazy stuff. And and I remember that was kind of the dream. Like, the, the dream was, you know, grow this to the point where it's it supports you, like, completely 100% financially. And I, I felt like that's just what good pastors do. In fact, when I looked at bivocational pastors, I have to admit this, and this will show, like, kind of the shallowness of my faith at times. When, when I thought about bivocational ministry and heard about pastors who were doing that, I have to admit to you that there's part of me that thought, you know what, they failed. Um, they failed at being a pastor. I remember hearing about one before we ever planted a church and going, yeah, it's too bad. He probably, he probably just isn't a very good like preacher. And I know that that sounds disgusting and awful. That's what I thought. Um, that is not how I think anymore. Um, and it's not just because I'm trying to justify how I live and, and what I've done. We now live in a culture where um, more and more pastors are finding that in order to be supported, it takes help from the outside. It's not just a church that will do it. And there needs to be more pastors who say, you know what, I, I'm willing to work another job on the side. In fact, if I talk to any seminary kid who was looking to go into full-time ministry, I'd say, get your degree in anything else, please. Like, if, if you want to teach in high school, like, teach, right? If you want to, like, do business, like, do that. Like, become an accountant or, or whatever. Like, get that education so that you can do that and allow that to be what you do while you minister to people. Um, because for me, I've got, like, I went to school for religious studies. Nobody cares about that. Like, I can't go in, I can't walk into Amazon.com or Microsoft here in Seattle and go, hey, I need a job, look at my degree. They're not going to look at me and go, hey, look what you've got, Mike. Um, like, I've got nothing that, that they want. I don't have marketable talents and, and education outside of the church. And so for me, um, I, I realized at one point that I should start working outside the church. And, it, and in fact, one, one of my real, realizations of that was that because of my introversion, um, if I'm not like... If I don't have a reason to be out there, I don't generally go out there. Like, at least I wouldn't when I first planted the church. You could find me in my office or at my home. But, like, going out and meeting people and forming relationships was not something that that I, like, it's not what gets me up in the morning. And so I did apply to be um, a high school golf coach. And the first year I applied, I didn't get the job. I was real bummed about that. And then the next year, um, I actually got a call, and they said, hey, would you come down and apply for this again? And so I came down and applied for it again, and they gave me the job as a high school coach. And after working as a coach, um, I, I started to get inroads to a couple different golf courses who's, you know, who were kind of asking me, would you like to work here? And, um, and so I said, sure, I'll, I'll work there. And, and I was like, I can't work there full time. There's no way. I'm a pastor of a church. But I started working, you know, 10, 15 hours a week, and then it turned into a halftime gig. And then after I was there at halftime, the, the pro that I worked for said, hey, Mike, and remember, I'm a golfer. I've loved golf my whole life, and, and it's been a big part of my faith and a big part of what I've always learned about. Um, and so this, this head pro says, hey, Mike, 
would you consider being like kind of the assistant pro and be the assistant manager of the golf course coming on more as a full-time thing and I'm like you know maybe I could do 30 hours kind of thing I could really stretch it and do that because the money was you know it was nice to have the extra money so I stepped into that and uh and then after I'd been there for you know like a year or half a year doing that um this head pro who I loved working with looked at me and said hey Mike I'm I'm gonna leave and go to another course I told them that you're the only person who knows what the heck they're doing here um so uh they're gonna ask you to to manage this place they're gonna ask you to be the head pro like the de facto head pro even though I don't have my PGA certification as a as a golf professional um they're gonna they're gonna ask you to be a head pro and and I said good grief All, all right I guess I'll do it and and so I did that for more than a year while I kind of held that course together while they were looking for a management company to bring in. And when they did that, um, they brought in another company and I didn't really want to work for that company. And I had a guy who I'd formed a relationship with at the course that I'm currently at, um, who came out and said, Hey, if you'd like to work for me, I would love to have you. And so I came over here and now I've been working here for the last two years and a little bit. And um, I enjoy doing that. And I never thought I could pastor a church while I work a full-time other job. I never believed that that was even a rough possibility. Um, In order to do that, I had to shave down my message prep time. I used to take, you know, 30-plus hours to write a message. You know, I was one of those guys who believed what they said when they said a minute in the study for, or I'm sorry, an hour in the study for every minute on the pulpit. Um, and I had to change my mind about that. I had to be somebody who said, you know, I have to learn how to do this efficiently. And I've since learned how to write a message in a much more efficient amount of time. I can usually do it, um, in less than 10 hours. Um, in fact, this week's, (laughs) just so you know, um, like is going to have to take a little bit less than that. And I, I can already see that coming into this week. So, so anyway, um, kind of excited about how it's going I love the fact that while I'm working outside of the church I'm I'm working with something that I'm passionate with it doesn't mean that I'm always doing things that I love I mean sometimes when I'm you know working on the budget or you know working on financial stuff for the golf course that's not what I want to do or you know sometimes when I'm behind the counter and I'm you know I've acknowledged this to you you know I've got drunk customers or something like that it's not what I want to do but I'm really thrilled that I'm able to do this um, and that that enables me to be able to um, pastor the church that I pastor and do what I really, truly care about. So anyway, I'm pulling into work right here. I'm thankful for you guys for even listening to this crazy, uh, you know, ridiculousness that I put out. And um, I'm excited to share with you at the end of the week what it looks like to have faith, hopefully, um, at least as big as a mustard seed. So anyway, talk to you guys soon. Love you. Well, hey, you guys, I'm back, and yeah, it's uh, the end of the day after a long day on Saturday, and you're not going to believe where I am. Actually, I'm I'm assuming you probably will believe where I am. I'm actually on the golf course. Um, If you know what Saturday the 18th of March was like, you'll know this was a disgustingly rainy, awful day, And, um, and we actually had a tournament here at the golf course. And, you know, so I've been here all day, been a long day. I've been here since, you know, like before six o'clock in the morning, dealing with this tournament and all the details of it. And at the end of the day, it just got gorgeous. I mean, beautiful, beautiful out. It's like, uh, you know, in the mid forties, 
it is, um, I mean, there's sun. I can, I can actually see the blue sky. Just crazy. And so I'm on the golf course. I'm actually on the 11th hole right now. And I figured I'd start, you know, doing this, uh, my, my way home part of the podcast. So I actually just hit my shot over the green, which I can't believe that I hit this over the green. Um, but uh, I'm trying to chip back towards the hole. I've got a real tough chip over a bunker here. Got my 60-degree wedge out. Uh, I hit that pretty good. Uh, hit it the right distance, but I'm still, gosh, I'm still about six feet from the hole. That's going to be kind of a tough par putt on the side. But anyway, a couple of you told me you actually liked it when I played golf, when I, when I did my podcast, which I think I've only done once. Maybe I did it twice. I forget now. Um, but I figured I'd come out here. You know, it was just great opportunity uh, to uh, be here at the end of the day, do something I love to do. Um, which is this podcast as well as play golf. So um, I thought this would just be fun. But anyway, um, had a really interesting week that I'm excited to share with you. I'm going to hit this putt first. It's about seven feet, uh, seven foot putt. Breaks um, quite a bit to the left, actually. I'm not sure where to aim this out, but greens here are gorgeous. Um, been coaching the team. We've been on terrible greens all week, but these are magnificent. So I'm going to hit this putt, just try to get the speed right here. Oh, come on. Yep. All right, that was a nice putt. Uh, saved my par there, which makes me very happy. Um, so anyway, here's, here's this week, okay? So I told you on my way to work um, this week that my, um, my life application was in the book of Luke and was really dealing with faith. And I was telling you, it's a, it's a verse that's captivated me ever since I was a kid. And um, if you remember reading the Bible when you were young, I'll bet it captivated you too. Um, that There's this verse in here that talks about, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, um, and, and in, the, in the book of Luke it talks about how you can say to a tree, I think they even say it's a mulberry tree. I'm not entirely sure what that is. I probably should have looked that up this week. Um, you can say to this tree... Um, to, to get up and go somewhere else and, and it'll move for you. Um, and, and you remember in other places in, in scripture where it talks about, you know, you could say this mountain move and, and it'll move. Um, just kind of an amazing bit of scripture when you think about it. Um, but one that kind of made me as a kid, I mean, it, it freaked me out. It kind of caused me to think, could I really have a faith that would, you know, do, I mean, the way I saw it, and I think I said this on the way to work, was um, a, a little bit like a magic trick, you know. Do I have a faith that could make me do things that are just so amazing that people would just be amazed that I would be the miracle worker? <laughs> and um, so I had thought about that from the time I was a kid. And I wondered what that meant, and I'm wondering what it means now, in fact, as I'm, you know, thinking these same thoughts. And now I'm on the 17th tee. I jumped from the uh, 11th green over 17 tee because it's easy to do here. Hitting a driver, which is a club that I probably shouldn't hit on this hole, um, but I'm going to because I just got a new driver. I'm excited about it. So I'm going to hit it. Um, perfect shot here would be to kind of draw it around the trees, which is not something that I am known for being able to manufacture all that well, but... I'm just going to try to hit solid in the middle of the club face, see what the club does for me here. Um, okay, driver. Oh, get over. Ah, 
caught the top of one of the trees, but I think it ended up in a pretty good spot over there. Um, that was inches away from being just awesome. That, that was uh, a well-hit drive, by the way, but um, just took it over the edge of the tree and caught like the very tip of it. But anyway, okay, so that's, that's where I was in Scripture was this thought about having a faith of a mustard seed. So I've been thinking all week, what does it mean to have faith? What does faith look like? So here, here's a story, and I'll try not to go into too much detail here, but last Saturday a week ago, there's a guy um, who spends a lot of time at the place where I work here at the golf course, and he is the stepfather-in-law, does that make sense, of a friend of mine who's also a high school golf coach. Um, he coaches at a different school, and he's a guy that I, I just love spending time with. He's one of my favorite other coaches out there. Um, don't get to see him too much, you know, maybe, you know, six to eight times a year. But whenever we're together, we have great conversations. We really enjoy each other. We always tell each other, hey, we need to get out there, you know, play a little golf, spend some time together. And we never really get around to do it, unfortunately. Um, you know those kind of relationships. So anyway, um, I hear from his stepfather-in-law that my friend Chris is in the hospital. I was told this on Saturday. And, and so I said, well, what's, what's up with him? You know, what's wrong? He said, and Chris is, you know, I mean, he's in his mid-50s, and, he, you know, he's a pretty healthy guy. Um, so, you know, it's pretty unexpected that he would be, be in the hospital. But his uh, stepfather-in-law said, hey, um, he collapsed while he was bowling. And he's really freaked out about it. He had a couple seizures, and they're worried that there's something, you know, going on inside of his Inside his brain, you know, like what what could be going on there, and so um, he's in the hospital, and he said, "I just want you to be praying for Chris." And I, I said, "Yeah, certainly, I'll pray for him." And uh, right then, I you know just whipped out my phone. I knew I had Chris's number, and so I, I texted him, thinking, "Hey, you know, when most people are in the hospital now, you know, they they can at least receive a text." And so I texted him, and I just said, "Hey, man, you know, heard about um, that you're in the hospital." Uh, let me know if there's anything I can pray for. Let me know how you're doing. Um, I hope everything's okay. And I just kind of left it at that, although my brain didn't really leave it at that. Um, I was worried about my friend, and I, just, I kept thinking about him um, on Saturday and on Sunday, thinking about this friend of mine. Well, anyway, I come to work on Monday, and I see his stepfather-in-law again. He says, hey, Chris is not doing so good. Um, Chris is going to have surgery tomorrow. Sounds like he might have like a brain tumor. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, and, and they said, yeah, they're going to do some surgery. They said, he said, he's, Chris is really freaked out about it as, you know, who wouldn't be, right? Um, really freaked out about it. I found my golf ball here, by the way. It's in uh, actually a great spot. Uh, better than I probably deserve to be in. But I, I did hit a pretty good drive. Just caught the top of that tree. Just have a little lob wedge up to this green, um, one that I tend to sometimes hit a little hard, so I'm just going to try to take a little something off this, hit this nice and soft. Can't wait to tell you the rest of the story. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hit this real quick. Um, I'm still going to try to hit it well. All right. It's a little short of it. It's almost up there. Pretty good shot. Um, so anyway, uh, he tells me, you know, Chris is going in for surgery. I tell a couple of co- a couple other golf coaches um, about this on Monday, but he's on my mind all day Monday. So anyway, I'm leaving, leaving practice on Monday. So this is another one of those days. We just had a baptism service 
on Sunday, you know, so I'm tired. And and then Monday, you know, was at work at six in the morning. You know, was uh, got done with practice at like six thirty, and uh, something inside of me says, and I know what it is inside of me, although I wasn't thinking it at the time. By the way, uh, something inside me uh, says, Mike, maybe you should go see Chris in the hospital, and kind of occurred to me maybe I should. But, you know, there's this guy thing about, you know, seeing somebody else when they're vulnerable and also like not, I mean, I I don't see this guy a ton, you know, we don't see each other a whole lot. And so would it be kind of weird if I went to go see him in the hospital and all those thoughts are going through my mind, you know, just the dumb guy thoughts, um, you know, is this okay? And so I, I was really looking for an excuse to not go because I, I was being pushed in my mind to go. And I was looking for an excuse not to go. I kind of came home and said, I'm tired, but I'm thinking about going to see my friend. I was kind of thinking that, that um, you know, Kim or one of the kids might say, nah, don't go, just stay home. And, but everybody's like, oh, you should go, you should go. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go. Um, I took my youngest daughter with me. She hung out in the waiting room while I went to go see him. So I went to the hospital and I was tired. And I'm like, yeah, is he going to be weirded out by the fact that I that I go here to, to go see him. I've got about a, it's about a 20 foot putt, uh, straight up the hill, uh, kind of a, I'm going to say this, it's a pretty straight putt. I'm going to hit this pretty straight, I think. And, um, I have to hit it hard cause it's up the hill. Um, you know, so I, I go to the hospital and I'm just feeling weird going up there thinking, you know, what is he going to think about this? Let me hit this putt real quick here. Takes me a little longer to hit a putt because I'm trying to work on my speed, which I hit, I hit a really good speed. I'm about like a foot left of the hole. Just going to knock it in. Tap it in. Did it. Okay. Nice par there. I'm happy with that. So, okay. Anyway, um, I walk into his room. I had asked a nurse because the curtain was drawn for his room. You know, I said, you know, is he okay for a visitor? And the nurse goes in and says, can you have a visitor? And uh, he says, yeah. And so I come in and he sees me and I, I hope he doesn't, you know, he wouldn't hear this and be embarrassed by it. But I mean, he kind of teared up a little bit. And so I came in, you know, gave him a hug and talked to him for a bit. You know, we talked about, you know, what he's going through and they said they're doing this you know, biopsy of his brain, which is just crazy. He's like, yeah, they think it could be, you know, something cancerous, but they're going to do a biopsy. There's this swelling in my brain. Um, this area is really swollen and they're worried about it. So, you know, obviously you have to deal with it. And, uh, but he's freaked out about the, the prospect as, as who wouldn't be right about, you know, they're going to be digging around in your brain. And so anyway, um, talking to my friend for a little bit and at the end of the conversation his family walks in and I know it's probably time for me to go we've been talking for a while and I just say to my friend I say hey Chris can I pray for you before I go and you know we don't know each other like in a pastoral kind of relationship but but he says yeah and so I pray for him you know I kind of lay hands on him and uh you know just pray that he be healed and and I um I give him a big hug afterwards and head out. 
So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and hit this. Um, 18th hole right now. Uh, long drives are what are needed on the 18th hole here. Trying to hit it kind of down the left center would be ideal. I struggle to do that on this hole sometimes because there's a lot more room right, but you can get in trouble going too far right. Okay, driver. I love this driver. Hit that a little bit further right than I want, but that's going to be just fine over there. Uh, just kind of drifted into the right rough. I didn't turn it over. I was trying to turn it to the left. Okay, so anyway, um, you know, pray for him and I, I take off. And so, um, got to work on Tuesday morning and I was there early and I knew his surgery was supposed to be at uh, 10.30 in the morning. So I was going to send him a message once things settle down in the morning. You know, I was going to send him a message around 8 or 8.30 just telling him, hey, praying for you, thinking about you uh, while you go through this thing. So I, you can probably hear the cars whizzing by me. Uh, 18th hole kind of goes down the road here. Anyway, um, uh, when things settle down at work enough for me to send this text around, you know, 745 or 8 in the morning, I look at my phone, he's already texted me. And his text was full of exclamation points saying, hey man, I just got to let you know the prayer worked. The prayer worked and uh, my two, what the growth in my brain, whatever's in my brain, has shrunk by over 50%, they said. They said they don't know how that happened, um, but I can only think it's a power prayer. He says, um, he says, so they're not going to do surgery after all. They're just going to monitor me. They're going to send me home and they're going to give me some medicine. And, and, uh, you know, kind of, he sent me a thing, you know, like, you know, the prayer worked was basically what he said. And I got to tell you the same week that I'm thinking about the faith of a mustard seed and, and let me, let me make it clear. Okay. This is, this really happened this week. And, um, there's no part of me thinking, Hey, I went down and healed this guy. Um, but because I, I think that God healed this guy. I went down and I just said a prayer and that's like the baby amount of faith that I had was to be bold enough in front of my friend, um, who, you know, I, I don't see, you know, in, in a church kind of relationship, um, to just be bold enough to say, can I pray for you? And then I prayed for him and God did something amazing inside of him. Um, that's all I can say. And that, that is unbelievable. And I'm just... I'm just blown away by what God does and how God works. Uh, on top of all that, my other prayer this week. Oh, and let me tell you this. My first thought when I saw that wasn't even like, hey man, like God healed you. I mean, he kind of said it. He said the prayer worked. But my first thought wasn't even like, hey, I'm glad I was faithful and went. Uh, my first thought was just like, man, amazing things happened. Then I started to put it together and go, you know what? No, amazing things happened. And I got to have faith this week, and I saw God do something amazing in the midst of it. And that's, that's powerful. And that really made me happy this week. And um, it just makes me love God all the more. So anyway, um, that happened this week. And then um, a couple days later, one of the prayers that I was praying this week is I'm praying to have faith and, and to be faithful is I've been praying that I would get some opportunities 
uh, while I'm at work or while I'm, especially when I'm coaching. I, I was just looking for more opportunities when I'm coaching to kind of share something that has to do with faith. And no, I'm not looking to preach to these kids or anything like that. I just wanted to share something about faith with them. And, uh, you know, just to kind of let them know I'm a safe person for that. And so anyway, I'm at work, um, I'm, I'm at the course and I'm coaching, and I had this girl bring up something that went in on in her class where a teacher kind of insulted her faith, and um, she, she wasn't really looking for a response to it, but I shared with her some, some thoughts and some response, and the response wasn't to be mad at, at the teacher, but, you know, I, I just kind of said, you know, hey, um, there's some other ways to look at this, and we talked about it for a while, and... By the end of the conversation, we were just having this fantastic, like, God-centered conversation. Me and this high school girl, who I, I know to be a Christian from things that she said before. At least I, I am very sure that she's a Christian. And, and uh, it just turned into this great conversation. I just got to tell you, those two things happened this week. On the week where I was praying, God, can I have a little bit more faith? Can I show a little bit more faith to see more happen in the lives of people around me. And it's just blowing my mind, you guys. Okay, real quick. Okay, I've got, got about 100 yards in to the pit. It's uphill, so I'm hitting a, a pitching wedge, but I'm choking down on it. And uh pin is in a precarious spot, like right on the very right edge of the screen. Um, got to try to punch this up the hill, kind of hit this in nice and low. i hit this ball here. Ah, pulled it a little bit left. I think I hit it the right distance. Oh, man, it got the other side of the slope, rolled away from the hole. I'm actually got a big, long putt to go over there. I got like 40, probably 45 feet or more to go over there. Um, But anyway, that's what happened this week. And for me, that's where it's at. Like, I don't even know what faith looks like. I don't know what this mustard seed thing is. I, I don't know you know, exactly how God's going to use me. But I, I got to tell you, this week was special because all I said to God is, God, I want to have a little bit more faith. I want to show a little bit more faith. And I would love to see you move, God. And that's what I saw this week. And um, that to me has been unbelievably special, um, powerful, meaningful, and all that. So anyway, that's, that's where this week was. That's about all I have to share with you, um, except to challenge you to kind of think, you know what, how can you show some faith where you're at? How can you ask God um, what kind of conversations you should be having with people? Um, How can you, like, ask the Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Because that's what happened this week. I wasn't even thinking the word Holy Spirit, but I knew something was pushing me to go. It's funny that it wasn't on my mind to think, ah, that's the Holy Spirit, it was just like, oh, this is my conscience, and I'm tired, and there's a million other things I could be doing tonight that I would love to do, but all right, I'll go. And that's kind of how it turned out, and um, I'm just so thrilled that that's how it went. So as long as there's a little bit of recording time left, I'm going to hit this putt, and yep, this putt is about 45 feet, way further than I wanted to be. I just caught the wrong side of the slope. I hit the perfect distance. Um, But it was safe because the pin is, you know, on the very, very right edge. This putt, I think, is pretty straight. Um, But it's all about hitting at the right speed. It's going to start out trying to move to my right. Um, 
just going to give this putt a little bit here. See if I can get this going the right speed to get to the hole here. All right, let's see. Come on, break, break, break. Uh, I just left that hanging a little bit to the left and it took a slope that I did not think it was gonna take. So I've got about five feet here for my par. I would love to have this par right here. I love playing holes and being even par. I played uh, the 10th hole, by the way, before I started to record, and uh, I did make a par on number 10 right there, and that felt good. This would be a great par right here. I'd be happy. Oh, just missed it on the edge. But anyway, thank you guys for playing a few holes with me, and uh, thank you guys for listening to this. I'll be excited to get back with you next week to let you know where faith is going for me. Um, But uh, anyway, love you guys. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, please feel free to send me your questions at uh, mypursuit at outlook.com. I would love to spend time responding to your questions. Um, Everybody have a great week.